Would you open up in your Bibles? We'll be over at Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs the 16th chapter. We'll be looking today at the heart of the wise. We've often heard the phrase of the wisdom right out of the mouth of babes. So I have a couple of uh, babes, some of the wisdom that they have to pass on to us. Patrick, who's 10 years of age, said, Never trust a dog to watch your food. Michael, age 14, said, When your dad is mad and asks you, Do I look stupid? Don't answer him. (laughs) Michael, also being the wise man that he was, said, Never tell your mom her diet is not working. Randy, nine years old, said, Stay away from prunes. Might wonder how he came to that knowledge. (laughs) Naomi, 15, said, If you want a kitten, start out by asking for a horse. Lauren, age nine, said, felt markers are not good to use as lipstick. Joel, age ten, said, don't pick on your sister when she's holding a baseball bat. And Eileen, age eight, said, never try and baptize a cat. I suppose that would be wise. But we're going to be looking at some other wisdom. In particular... We're not going to look at the whole passage right now, but in particular, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 23 says, The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. Last week we looked at fact or feeling. That we need to speak things out of the facts of the Word of God and not speak things out out of the feelings that you have at the time. We all know that we can become affected by feelings We can become affected by things that are going on in our body. We can become affected by the things that are going on in our head, how our emotions are. All kinds of things can come in and affect our feelings. But we have to make sure that when we speak out, we speak out of things not based on feelings, but we speak out on things based on the Word of God, based on the facts of the Word of God. We looked at things in that line last week. This week, we want to take a look at the heart of the wise. The first off, There is knowledge to believe. There is knowledge to believe. You cannot believe what you do not know. Isn't that right? We we started this whole series off talking about unbelief. That unbelief is the rejection of knowledge. But you cannot believe what you do not know. You must first have a knowledge. We're told in the New Testament that how shall they believe unless people are sent? How shall they believe unless someone goes and preaches? How shall they believe unless someone is there to to proclaim and to let folks hear? How will that happen? It won't. You cannot believe when you do not know. We must know. We must have the knowledge of things. And the Word of God, if it expects you, and I think I put this in your outline, if God or His Word command or challenge you to believe something, then the Word will also teach you along those lines. If God or His Word commands you or challenge you to believe something, then the Word will also teach you along those lines. This is an extraordinarily important truth. If you still have your precept book, your, your book of principles, you should write this one in it. This is so important. We'll show you why. Let me read it to you again. I want you to get hold of this whole thing. If God or His Word command or challenge you to believe something, then the Word will also teach you along those lines. You cannot believe what you do not know. God cannot expect you to believe something if you don't know it. 
Now, why is that so important? Take a look at some contrasting truths or people that things that people have accepted as truth. First off, healing is for you today. Isn't that something that we believe? But isn't it also something that some folks believe is truth? Healing is a thing of the past. Now, the Word of God cannot expect you to believe both of those truths, can it? You cannot believe one and believe the other. They are contrasting. They, they, they are in conflict with each other. So the Word of God cannot teach both of those truths. Because if it taught both of those truths, it'd be in conflict. But if, he expect, if God expects you to believe in the truth in this area, then He also is going to teach you along those lines. So the Word must teach you those things that it expects you to believe. So you have to go back to the Word. What does the Word of God teach us? Does the Word of God show us that healing is for today? Or does the Word of God teach us that healing is a thing of the past? Now, people want to get up, good-natured people, I'm sure. They want to get up and they want to say, healing is a thing of the past. It was done away with the apostles. It was done away with the New Testament church. It's not for today anymore. Now you just kind of pray and hope that something happens. If that is so, where is it taught in the Word of God? If we are going to believe it, we need to find out where is it taught in the Word of God. But nowhere in the Word of God does it teach us that. Another one, we are to do the works of Jesus. How many of you believe that we are to do the works of Jesus? Well, we believe that because the Word of God taught us that greater works than these shall you do because I go to my Father. That He put His uh, put an anointing on His disciples to go out and to do the things they, that He is, was doing. And they went out and they cast out demons and they healed people of their sicknesses and their diseases and came back marveling. So they were doing the same thing. So we see that the Word of God taught us that. In the book of Acts, we see that after Jesus was gone, people were still laying hands on the sick and they were recovering. In fact, such great miracles were done that Peter would just walk by sick people. They'd lay them on the, the side of the street and he just walked by and his shadow would touch them. His shadow would touch them. Now, predominantly, what is the way that most people operate in the healing in the Word of God? In the Word of God, most times that you see healing going on, generally it's through the laying on of hands. We're commanded to do the laying on of hands. Laying on of hands seem to work pretty good. In fact, even when Jesus found times that He couldn't heal a whole lot of folks, laying on of hands worked. So I was meditating on this and thought of some modern stuff to put this on. But the, you know, there's other ways beside that. You can just speak, speak the name of Jesus. You can just command the thing and it would go as well, right? Jesus did that. And we have Peter... He's, he's not touching them. He's not laying hands on them. Just His shadow would cause that thing to work. And then you have people with prayer cloths and things that they said they were praying over. Paul would uh, touch some of the cloths and they would take them on out. Aprons and things. And uh, as soon as they would touch the sick people, the thing would go. That's pretty good. How many of you all enjoy the Internet? How I many Internet's good for a whole lot of things? You can check your bank account. You can pay your bills. You can uh, get just about any information that you need. You don't need an encyclopedia anymore. You just look it up on the internet. You get all kinds of stuff. You can check emails. You can do all kinds of stuff, but there's a couple of different ways to, to connect in the, in the internet. One is your computer has a little uh, uh, extension in the back and you plug the network cable in on the back of that and you plug the other end into the router and you get connected to the internet, right? But there's another way that does it. Does it. And some of you enjoy this. How many of you enjoy a wireless network at home? How many don't have a wireless network? I have a wireless network. I despise wired networks. I don't like them. 
I like wireless ones. If I have a preference of using a wire to a wireless, I go wireless all the time. I don't want that wire having to tie me down and mess with me. I like wireless so much, I generally like to work off my computer on the battery. I've got nothing to connect me anywhere. I'm just free floating. So I began to think about this and I thought, you know, laying on the hands is kind of like a wired network. You need a connection. But see, that helps a whole lot of people out because they have that connection they can receive from that. But you know, God worked wirelessly way before wireless was invented. He worked wirelessly way before anybody else even came up with the idea. He said, all you need to do is speak the name. He didn't, there wasn't a wire in between. He said, all you need to do is have the shadow pass in front. That's wireless. There's no, no connection there. But some people, it's a whole lot easier for them to believe when they, they feel that connection that they feel that the power can transmit. Well, you can get healed in all kinds of manner of ways as long as you believe it. As long as you have faith to believe that. But we can do greater works than Jesus did. Jesus laid hands on the sick. Jesus spoke the Word. You can go all kinds of ways. But you have to make sure that the way that you believe is the way of the Word. We are to do the works of Jesus. Some people say, well, Jesus performed miracles because He was God. That sounds right. He was God. But Jesus didn't perform miracles as God. If He was, He would have been performing miracles for the first 30 years of His life. He didn't perform miracles until the anointing came upon Him. When the anointing came upon Him, He went out and did miracles. So He didn't do miracles as the Son of God. If so, we couldn't follow in that example because we're not going to be the Son of God. He was. Another one, you can know the will of God for your life. You can know the will of God for your life. Other people would teach, just trust God. You don't need to know everything. And people will go around, well, I'm just, I just don't know how that's going to work. I'll just trust that whatever happens will be God's will. And they, it sounds spiritual. It sounds right. But does the Word of God teach that? See, we've got a lot of times we're believing things that are not taught in the Word of God. That's why this is such an incredible, important principle. You ought to write this in your principle book. Hopefully you still have that. If not, dust it off. It still works. If God or His Word command or challenge you to believe something, then the Word will also teach you along those lines. God will never command or challenge you to believe something that He has not also provided teaching to help you get there. We said many in the body of Christ are holding on to beliefs not taught by God's Word. Get rid of those beliefs. Get rid of them. You need to get around... Beliefs that are in the Word of God. Beliefs that are right. In Proverbs 16, I had a hard time with this one because I love verse 23, but you know, I don't always like to just pull out a verse. I like to always go back and see what was before it and go after it. And there was so much before it that was good and so much after it was good, I finally had to draw a line somewhere, so I just drew a line here. But going back, you can just read the whole chapter. The whole chapter is good. In fact, the whole book of Proverbs is good. Just go back and read the whole thing. Well, we'll pick up here at 16. How much better to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding is to be chosen. And to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He who keeps his way preserves his soul. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Folks, there are people that are holding on to things, believing things that are not taught in the Word of God that are too proud to change it. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You ought to have the idea and the notion that if you believe anything that is not supported in the Word of God, that you'll drop it in a moment. 
That's the attitude you ought to have. You ought to say, well, I believe that for 10 years. I'm not going to change it now. Change it. If it was wrong, it's holding you back. Better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. He who heeds the word wisely will find good. He who heeds the word wisely will find good. And whatever trusts, whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. The wise in heart will be called prudent and sweetness of the lips increases learning. Understanding is a wellspring of life to him who has it, but the correction of fools is folly. How many of y'all know there's some people that are just so foolish, so bent on pride, that you try and correct them? You can't do anything. And even to try it. Have you, do you have people in your life that right now that you say, well, I could try and correct them, but they're not going to listen. They're not going to hear it. That God had that attitude too with Israel sometimes. Oh, I'll send some prophets in there, but you know what? They're not going to listen to them. When we saw that scene in heaven, God knew Ahab. He's been on doing something. He says, you know what? I can even tell him my plan to have prophets sent into his midst and be deceptive and he'll still do it. And Ahab did. Amazing. But some people will get that way. But it's foolishness. Always be willing to listen to wisdom that comes from the Word. Understanding is the wellspring of life to him who has it. But the correction of fools is folly. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth. You need to let the things that you speak with your mouth come from your heart. Come from your spirit. Come from your beliefs. The things that you believe. You've got to stop speaking the things that you feel. Stop think, speaking the things that you've always believed that way and speak out of, a, out of beliefs in your heart that are based on the Word of God. Let your spirit teach your lips. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the fruit of death. How many of you all know people right now that are on that? They're on the way and they say, well, this is the right way. And you can say, boy, this is just not going to work good. The person who labors, labors for himself, for his, his angry mouth drives him on. An ungodly man digs up evil and it is on his lips like a burning fire. Some people just aren't content just to see what evil is around. They've got to go out there and dig it up. They want to dig it up. People that are out there trying to dig up dirt in your life, how many people are out there trying to dig up dirt in your life? Why in the world do they want to do that? I mean, why do you want to know dirt in someone else's life? I mean, who cares? First off, if it's going on and they don't want to admit to it or talk to you about it, you can't help them anyway. Secondly, if there's dirt, bad stuff going on in their life, God, if God's dealing with it and they're hearing from God, get out of the way. Let God deal with them on it. Don't get in there and interfere with it and mess with it. Stop getting in the way of all that stuff. An ungodly man digs up evil and it is on his lips like a burning fire. I, I sure say it is. People who dig up evil, people who find something awful, oh, they just can't wait to get out there and tell it. They just can't wait. These folks in the press, they find something on some political candidate, aren't they the first ones out there telling you how bad that political candidate is, how bad that governor is, how bad that mayor is, how bad that senator is. Oh, everybody's out there saying, how... now you, you turn the thing around and you say, well, what about you? What about what you did with your wife? What about what you did with your kids? Well, I'm not on trial here. Well, it's not fair to 
I'm not a public figure. Well, then shut up. I mean, really, these folks, they want to go out there and dig up evil on all these folks and their house is worse than the other ones. A perverse man sows strife and a whisperer separates the best of friends. Understand what this is saying, folks. If you want to go up to your buddy and whisper things about others, dirt on others, but you've got to whisper because you've got to be careful who hears, this verse is talking about you. It's not talking about your buddy. It's not talking about the person you found dirt on. It's talking about you. Telling you to hush. Just knock it off. Shouldn't be doing it. A perverse man sows strife. And a whisperer separates the best of friends. Chapter 16 has a whole lot of wisdom in it. You can just keep on going through with all of it, but that's not our purpose here. We want to look at the heart of the wise. We want to look at how we can take what is in our spirit and teach our mouth to say the right things. Now, we're going back into the series, not the last one, but the one before that. We talked about principles, Bible-based principles, and how you should be governed by that. Just going to go over this, review it with you, but we have to have Bible-based belief, Bible-based belief system that we are governed by. That you're not governed by feelings. You're not governed by what you think. God, well, I don't think God will do that. What's your basis for that? Well, I don't know. I just don't think God will do that. Well, that's not going to help you out. What's the Word of God reveal to you about God in that area? That's what's important. In Acts chapter 14, verse 18, Paul's over here ministering to some folks. He's gone through a number of cities. And with these sayings, they could scarcely restrain the multitudes from sacrificing to them. Then Jews from Antioch and Iconium, they had just been over there at Antioch and Iconium preaching, got some believers, got some people that stirred up against them. Then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul, dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. This is how fickle people can be, folks. In verse 18, they're ready to sacrifice to you as gods. In verse 19, they're ready to kill you. So they dragged him outside the city. They stoned him, dragged him outside the city and they thought he was dead. May have been. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. That just can't be worded right, right? I mean, the folks in the city just stoned you and you're going to get up and go back into the city. I bet you there's some people in that city who are kind of surprised to see him walking around in that city. But here he is. He walks back into the city and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. And when they had preached the gospel to the city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. Where, are the pe- where did the people come from who stirred up the city that he was in that's ready to sacrifice to him? Where did those people come from? Iconium and Antioch. And he returns to Iconium, Antioch, in Lystra, same cities he was in before. He's already got converts. He's already got people that are believers from there. But he returns there, even though this is where these folks came from. Now, here's the part I want you to see. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. 
So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commanded them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Verse 22 is what I want you to focus in on. Strengthening the souls of the disciples. When He returned to Antioch, to Lystra, to Iconium, for the purpose of strengthening the souls. Now that word there for strengthening, and it's used two times, in the, two different times of describing Paul returning to a place to strengthen the brethren. It means to support further, to reestablish, confirm, or strengthen. What this, verb, what this word is saying is, he did not go back into Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch to teach them new things. He went back to support, to confirm, and to strengthen what he had already taught them. So why is that important? He says to them, after he's strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. We must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. Well, if they persecuted Paul, don't you think they were also persecuting the followers of Paul? And so he goes back in at risk to himself to strengthen them on the things that they believed. Now write this down in your outline. Strengthened beliefs are what get you through tribulations. Strengthened beliefs are what get you through tribulations. It's not new doctrine, folks. It is strengthened beliefs. The things that you already know the things that you have come to know, when you get these confirmed, reestablished, or strengthened, these are the things that get you through your tribulations. You do not need new doctrine to get you through your tribulations. You need to be strong on what you already know. It is more important than knowing new things. Now, I don't know if any of you have caught wind of this yet. But over the, some of you folks have been here a year. Some folks have been here two, three years. Some of you folks have been here four, five, six, seven, eight, ten, thirteen, fourteen years. We've got people from all kinds of, been here all kinds of time. But I'll bet you, if you were to sit down, because I, I do this on purpose, if you were to go on down, there are several, probably, probably around a dozen or so, I'll, I'll go through and sometimes do a count, a number of things that I continually repeat. Sometimes you'll we'll be in a new series and you'll hear some hear a principle. Well Pastor Steve already taught that. Well we already learned that one in the last well he's he didn't he already hit on this before? Because it's important that you hear it again and hear it again and hear it again and hear it again. There are times we've done a, I've done a series, we'll do that one on the knowledge of God. That one in the knowledge of God, how long did that last? About half, about a half a year, right? About a half a year. You know what we did in that in that series? I took some of the same principles and looped them five times. Some of the same principles I looped them five times. I divided that series up into five different sections, and in each of those sections, I repeated the same principles, just tied them in with new angles and new ways to look at it. And then we repeated it five times. I can go back through and show you the notes. Divided up into five different sections and repeated it five different times. You had one series lasted a half year 
Each time we're getting into something different, at least it sounded different, and yet if you'll go back on through, you'll hear it. I've repeated many of the same principles over and over five different ways so that you get it. Because what's important is what's strengthened. You've got to be strengthened in those principles. It's important in that. When we left that series, we got into the next series. How many of you heard stuff from the first series that you also heard repeated in the second series? That's good. That means that you're, you're catching, oh yeah, this is, this is important. This is stuff that we need to, need to hear. You could probably go back on through and you could pick up a, a, a dozen or so things that I'll keep going over with you. These are important things. These are the things that the Word of God emphasizes for us. We've got to get them down. Now, if I got up and preached the same message every single Sunday, you all get kind of bored with that, wouldn't you? Even if you don't have it all the way down yet. Now, I tell you, I tell you before, you know, I'm always listening to things, listening to the other sermons. I've got a whole mess of Brother Hagin's sermons. I listen to them over and over again. I'll sometimes just loop them. Well, I went through the, we just uh, went through the name of Jesus one. I don't know how many times I've been through the name of Jesus one. I'll go through it again too. I got some of his old seminars. I'll hear them again. Never one time do I say, "Oh, we've already taught on this." I want to hear it again. I want him to loop those principles in me. I want to hear it again and again and again. Because I need to get these things established. I need them firm. And you need them too. Confirm, strengthen, to support further, to reestablish, to confirm, or to strengthen. This is what needs to happen. In this is what this is what does it. Strengthen beliefs or what gets you through tribulations. Now, wouldn't it just be easier if the Word of God just came out and taught you that? Wouldn't it be nice if somewhere in the Word of God we could find a place that would actually just come out there and tell you? Well, doggone if it didn't do that. Over in Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4 and verse 14. Very familiar Scripture to you. Parable of the sower. And He said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then when you understand all the parables? The sower sows the Word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the Word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the Word that was sown in their hearts. Here's the ones I want you to really look at. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the Word immediately receive it with gladness and they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the Word's sake, immediately they stumble. Why is it that they stumble? Because they are not confirmed, strengthened, reestablished on those principles. They heard them and that's all. When tribulation or persecution arose for the Word's sake, they left it. Now how many of you remember, think back, if healing is a new doctrine for you, then you can think present day. If healing was a new doctrine to you five years ago, Ten years ago, you think back to those days. When you first learned that Jesus was your healer and you got sick and you decided, I'm going to take this on with what I'm learning from the Word of God. And you take it on and tribulation comes. How easy was it for you to get off track? It's pretty easy. But as you got reconfirmed on that, strengthened on that, established in that area, it was harder and harder for you to get off track in that. Look at the next one. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the Word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires, desires for other things entering 
in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. It becomes unfruitful. All these other things begin to enter in because I'm not reestablished. I'm not strengthened on those things. I heard it one time. Well, I got that down. Alright, let's move on to something new. No, you hear it again. And you hear it again. And you hear it again. I continually like to feed on teaching that tells me about the role of the Holy Spirit in my life. I like to continually feed on teaching that tells me about how the power of God is at work in my life. How I can tap into the power of God. I like to continually feed on teaching that talks about the Holy Spirit as my teacher and how He teaches me. I like to continue to, to feed upon things that talk about how Jesus is at work. How Jesus has gained authority. How that authority affects my life. I like to continue to meditate on things like this. And to keep on hearing things. Well, maybe there's, I just need to reestablish that. I can hear the same teaching over and over and over and over and over and I won't get bored with it. As long as it's someone who taught the Word on the thing. Now, I've heard people and there's no depth to what they taught. Not a whole lot there. I can't, I, I'll sometimes get through it one time and that's it. But when I find somebody who's going to get in there and have some depth to it, I can hear it over and over and over and over because I can keep pulling more, more stuff out of it. I can keep growing my knowledge on the thing and now I can hear more in that. Or as I'm listening to it, the Spirit of God begins to reveal things to me and tell me things about that area. Well, you got to get to know it. The time to have revelation come to you is before you need it. Get it now. Isn't it a whole lot better when you're just going through daily life? Isn't it a whole lot better to have the rent payment before the rent is due? How many of you find that easier? How many of you find it easier to have the electric bill payment before it's due to be in the mail? Isn't that easier? Isn't it easier when you have money in the account and you have to go fill up the gas tank? Isn't that easier than when you only got, you know, you're looking through the, the car to find a dollar here and quarter here and 50 cents over here? Isn't it easier? That's the same way spiritually. Get out there and get that knowledge, get that understanding before you need it. Before there's a demand placed on you. Get it. And so when the demand is placed on you, I got stuff on my account for that. I can just write a check. I already got that down. The, the time to learn about healing is not when you are in the hospital and the doctor says you have cancer, you have three weeks to live. That's not the best time to learn about healing. Best time to learn about healing is when you are healthy. Whole, doing good. Learn about healing. And fight off whatever it is that the devil wants to try and throw your way. Don't let them derail you. Tribulations will come. Glory to God, it's alright. Get strengthened on those beliefs that you have. Most believers are not strong enough in their belief to support actions under fire. Most believers are not strong enough in their beliefs to support actions under fire. My wife and I were watching the show just uh, over the weekend. And this uh, it was a military show. The commander was trying to put his troops close enough to enemy fire. It was a, it was a drill. But he's trying to put, him, put his troops close enough to where the bombs were dropping that these, these bombs would scare the tar out of them. That's how close he went. These bombs were going all, all around them. And in the show, you know, some of them got hurt and they had to find out, you know, why, was, why were they in this area and all that. But he wanted to get them so close that the bombs would scare the tar out of them. Because he wanted to find out what they're made of. 
Because when they get out there in the battlefield, the bombs are really going to be dropping. And those folks aren't going to be trying to avoid them. So he wanted them to, to, to find that out. And you know what? When sometimes when that happens, some people froze up and decided this isn't the good life for me. <laughs> and they got out. But the people who didn't, one of, the, one of the persons in there got up and he says, I found out that when I am surrounded by bombs going off, yeah, it's going to scare me like nothing else. But I also found out that it won't make me freeze up and that I can function. So I won't be, I'm more prepared to go on out there. Boy, get under fire. Don't worry about being under fire. But most believers are not strong enough in their beliefs to support actions under fire. I'll bet you right now you have beliefs going on that, that you are not quite to the point where you'll act on that thing. Put it to you this way. How many of you all know that your diet could be better than it is? How many know that you could eat healthier, eat less, eat more, eat less of bad stuff, more of good stuff? How many of you all know? How many of you all believe? I know if I did this, I probably would feel better. Right? How many of you are acting on that? Why is that? Because your belief in that principle is not strong enough to bring about an action just yet. I know that I should eat more vegetables, but you know, bread and meat is just so much better. Ice cream and Twinkies and ding-dongs and snicker bars, so much better than corn and peas and carrots and stuff. Isn't that better? And if you sit on down to eat, how many of you are getting excited about a bowl of vegetables? But a bowl of pasta. Oh, yeah. That gets you more excited. So you believe that this other food is better for you. But you're not ready to act on it just yet. Right? You have beliefs. You, you, I mean, it's, it's not a matter that you, have, you need somebody else to come along and say, look, vegetables are really better for you. Eat more of them. Go ahead and have the meat. Go ahead and have the bread. Go ahead and have the pasta. But put more vegetables in your diet. Put more fruits in your diet. I mean, fruits are just inconvenient. Right? I mean, you buy them at the store and they last for what? Two, three, four days? Then you got to go out to the store and get others. Twinkies last a whole lot longer. I mean, you buy a Twinkie this week. It's still good next week. It's still good the week after that. There's no problem with that Twinkie going bad. It's just so much more convenient. And cereal... Whole lot easier to buy that box of cereal and have that in there. And then when you get, you know, hard pressed, there it is. I don't think they have any vegetables in cereal. Some of them try and put fruit stuff in there, but I don't think it's quite fruit. But it's more convenient, right? And I believe that I ought to be eating this other food, but I'm not acting on it yet. Building up your belief isn't going to help on that. I got to get to the point where I'm just going to act on the thing. You got to act on some of these. These things. You can, most of you folks know, Jesus is my healer. Jesus heals today. Healing belongs to me. But still, when you get sick, what do you want to do? I'm going to go to the doc. I'm going to find out what medications I need to be taking. Now, I'm not, we told you before, we're going to get into medications all night. Never tell you to stop taking your medications. Never tell you to throw all that stuff out. Never tell you any of that sort of thing. That's not the idea at all. You, if you have faith in getting rid of your medication, you don't have faith in God. Faith in God is different. We'll get into that. That's coming. It's down the road. Not yet. Don't jump to conclusions yet. But just trying to get you to expand your thought on this thing. 
The doctor tells you you have a you have six months to live. What are you going to do about your belief? What's your belief say? Well, the, I believe that the word of God says I can be healed, but I don't know if I can be healed of this. Well, I got to build up my belief more on that, but I got to get myself to the place where I'm going to do some action. Most believers are not strong enough in their beliefs to support actions under fire. Grueling, toilsome, hard situations, those kind of things. Now, this is something repeating from the series I was telling you about the knowledge of God when we did. Beliefs are to govern what you say, do, and think. Beliefs are to govern what you say, what you do, what you think. That's just a repeat. Nothing new for you there unless you weren't here for them. It's easy to get people to believe. It's harder to get them to act on it. But beliefs are to govern what you say, do, and think. Just having good beliefs doesn't necessarily help you. They must govern what you say, what you do, and what you think. If you do not get them to change those things, beliefs are to govern what you say, what you do, and what you think. First off, we told you Proverbs. It's talking about having your heart teach your mouth. Your beliefs need to teach your mouth what you say. Too often, we are out there talking about how I feel. What I feel. Not what the Word of God declares. Not what the Word of God is saying. Too often, Christians are out there denying reality with their mouth. I don't have to deny reality to be in faith. The woman with the issue of blood... Never got to a point where she says, I don't have the issue of blood. She just said, I know that if I touch his garment, I will be healed. You don't have to deny reality. You don't have to deny that you have a headache to get healed from one. But we'll get into stuff like that later on. Beliefs are to govern what you say, what you do, and what you think. If you don't let your beliefs govern what you think, folks, you are going to have trouble. We talked about it last time. So, How many of you have thought, well, the weather's going to change. we got storms coming in. Humidity's going to be on the rise. And I know my joints are going to feel this way. The pollen count, pollen count's going up. I know what that's going to mean. It's changing the way you think, right? You've got to take hold of what you think. You've got to take hold of what you think. Because most things that you do start in your thoughts. All you folks that are married, did not your spouse start off as a thought? Isn't that right? Was it an action? Start off first off as a thought, right? And then proceeded to something that you did. Asked them out. Went out with them, whatever it was. But it started out as a thought. you got to govern some of these thoughts. I told you before, you know, when I like to run, I run when it's cold, I run when it's hot. I went out running yesterday. I knew it was going to be a hot day yesterday. So I decided early on in the afternoon, I'm going to take a break around 2 or 3 o'clock and I'm going to go out for a run. Because that will be about the hottest part of the day. Because I do that. I'll make sure that if I have a hot day, I will run at the hottest part of the day. Because if you train in the heat, you are ready for it. I'm more ready for the heat than probably most of you are. But I can train in the heat. I can run when, it, when I was out in Oklahoma. I ran was 110. It ain't a big deal. But I was running yesterday. And it was uh, 93. And the sun was out. And I'm coming up on this course I have. It has this uh, nice long hill. And I'm coming up that hill. And you know the thought that came into my head? No, not that I'm some kind of a nut being out there. That wasn't the thought. <laughs> but the, I know that was your thought. That wasn't my thought. <laughs> my thought came in my head as I'm coming up that hill. And the sweat's pouring out. Because, you know, you still sweat. I mean, you know, if you want to be out there, you're still going to sweat. I'm sweating up a storm. It's, I'm feeling the heat. 
It's hot. My, the thought that came in my head, it's probably better for you if you stop and walk up this hill and cool off a little bit and then keep on going. That's the thought that came in my head. Now, that might have been wisdom talking. I don't know. <laughs> but I know what I did with that thought. I says, you will not. You're going to keep on running up this hill. When you get to the top of this hill, you're going to keep on running after that. And sure enough, I did. I put that thought right out of my head. Now, if I let that thought continue, guess what? Because there have been times I have run up a hill, not necessarily in the heat, but taller hills and bigger hills and coming up and, and you just keep looking up. Man, that hill just keeps on going. Oh man, I'm tired. And the thought comes in, you probably won't make it up there. And all you have to do is start entertaining that. You know what? I probably won't. I'm feeling awful tired. That's a big tall hill. Man, I, I may need to take a break. And as soon as you begin to entertain that thought, what happens to your actions? Beliefs need to govern what you say, do, and think. Not just one. I've got to think healed thoughts. I've got to say healed words. And I've got to do healed actions. Because if you do not, if you let that thought begin to embed itself, tomorrow it's going to rain. The pollen count's going up. If you let that thought embed itself, what are you beginning to think? You're going to give in to that, aren't you? When you are facing a battle and you are in the midst of tribulation, folks, the area that it tries to attack is in what you say. I'll show you a verse of Scripture on it. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession or profession, depending on your translation. Hebrews 10.23 Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. When tribulation comes upon you, the thing that it attacks is your profession of it, your confession of it, whatever term means more to you. Brother Hagin used to say this to us. If you can teach people how to respond from their hearts, he meant beliefs, if you can teach people how to respond from their hearts, you can help them. You can help them. If you can teach people how to respond from their hearts. If you can get people that when they take the Word of God in and it changes their beliefs and they speak out of it, they act out of it, they respond out of what's in their heart, out of what's in their belief, you can help them. Many Christians, when their faith is tested in an area, let go of their profession or let go of their confession. They let it go. Don't let it go. Now, you've felt this before. How many of you... You were believing God for, for heal, health and healing. All of a sudden you go to a doctor, normal physical, and he gives you some bad news. Wasn't very good news to hear. But you went on back, got into the Word, and got encouraged about it, and then went out there and talked to somebody else, and they said, oh, I had an aunt who had that, and she died. You're not feeling so good anymore. Go back to the Word, and you build yourself back up again on it, and you're still out there holding your profession, holding your confession. Then you go back to the doctor, and the doctor says, well, we thought it was bad, but apparently it's worse. What's it doing for your confession, your power of profession here? What's it make you do? Does it make you want to go home and tell all your family, Glory to God, I'm healed! What's it make you want to do? I'm not sure how it's going to go. I sure hope God comes through. Doesn't it make you change what you say? Beliefs change what you say, what you do, what you think. You're supposed to. You're supposed to. 
What are they doing for you? Don't let it pull you off of your confession. Hold on to it. James chapter 1. Turn over there if you, if you would. Maybe this will help you understand this verse a little bit better. James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So we're talking about trials and tribulations here. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it becomes birth to sin, and sin when it is full grown brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of light, which means if they are not good and perfect, they don't come down from God, do they? With whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own he will... Of His own will He brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. What does James mean by being slow to speak? How many of you have ever said something out of your mouth and said, Oh, I wish I wouldn't have said that. At home, at work, at school, comes out, oh, I wish I wouldn't have said that. What did you do? You spoke out of your feelings. You spoke out of your head. You got angry. Your feelings were this way. And you spoke out of those feelings. Slow to speak means you wait and you speak out of your spirit. You let, as Proverbs says, you let your heart, you let your spirit teach your mouth what to say. Let it teach your mouth what to say. How am I supposed to speak here? What am I supposed to say? For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Be slow to those things. Take time. Let the Spirit of God that on the inside of you teach you what to say in that. The doctor gives you a bad report. Don't just speak out of your mouth. Oh, I'm going to die. Don't just speak negative things out of there. Your wife says something to you don't like, don't just speak right out of that. You're speaking out of your flesh. Your husband says something you don't like, don't speak that way. Give it time. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. What's he saying here? Same thing we had said before. Most believers are not strong enough in their belief to support actions under fire. He's saying you need to have a faith in something. You need to have a belief in something. And it needs to cause you to do something. Faith without works, James taught us, is dead. You need to have faith that works. For he observes himself Verse 23, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. 
If anyone of you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. You need to be able to bridle that tongue of yours. That doctor gives you a bad report, don't go out there and say, Oh, what was me? Oh, I can't believe I'm going to die. Oh God, why are you doing this to me? No, you stand up. You speak out of beliefs. Did the doctor change what the Word of God wrote? Did the doctor change what the Holy Spirit revealed to you? Then why are you letting it change things? you got to hang on to that. We told you before, when hands are laid upon you, what comes into your body? Healing power. When you go away from that, what's in your body? Healing power. Healing power is at work in me mightily doing what it's supposed to. It is at work in me mightily. It is bringing about the result that I need. Every time I feel that condition, try and come back. Try and think, hear my mind, want to go on and say, you can't do that. You can't ascend that way. You can't get there. I immediately take that thought captive and I believe what the Word of God is, is telling me. If the Word of God meant that every time you asked for healing, it instantly came, then why in the world are we taught to believe that we have the thing before we have it. Why does Mark 11, 23, 22 and 23 and 24 believe that you have them? If you already had it, if it's already visible, it's already manifested, there's no believing. It's already yours. I have to be able to look at my life and say, it's not here yet, but I believe I have it. I believe I have it. And you will have it. You will receive it. I must have that kind of faith. I must have that kind of belief. I'm not going to be swayed by the doctors. I'm not going to be swayed by the, the creaks in my body, the aches and the pains, the headaches, whatever else it is that's coming against you. I'm not going to be affected by that. I'm going to be affected by the Word of God. This is what the Word of God says. This is what the Word of God promised me. I'm not going to shut down the power of healing that is in my body because it came in my body the moment I asked for prayer. The moment hands were laid upon me. The moment the name of Jesus was spoken over me. Whatever it was. However it was that you received it. It's done. So stand with it. Hold on to it. Let your spirit, let your heart, let your beliefs on the inside teach your mouth what to say. Stop speaking out of your flesh. All of us know how to speak out of our flesh. When you were a little kid, did you speak out of your spirit? Two, three years old, did you speak out of your spirit? Spoke out of your flesh, didn't you? How many have been walking around the Walmarts? Kmarts? Whatever marts are out there. And you see the mom and the three little kids. And the one of them wants the one thing on the shelf. And mom says, no. And so what does the little kid do? Well, alright, I'll just believe God that I'll get that down the road. <laughs> right? The way they do. Stomp and temper tantrum. Mess with stuff. Scream and holler. Are they speaking out of their spirit? Speaking out of their flesh. Where's mom going to apply teaching? To their flesh. <laughs> Not to their spirit. <laughs> going to get to hold that flesh. Stop doing what you did when you were younger. You spoke out of your flesh. How many of you, when you get sick, something's affecting you. It's not just a cold. It's something that's more substantial. How many of you have been before the throne room of God 
taking time up in your prayer time to sit there and Oh, God, heal me! I've been real good. I've been studying your Word, going to church, tithing. Oh, God, heal me! What are we doing? We're having a temper tantrum. It just don't look like it. Because they're here pleading and begging and all that. But you're speaking out of your flesh. You're not speaking out of your spirit. If you spoke out of your spirit, your spirit would be saying, Father God, I thank you. I don't go by what I feel. I go by what I believe. And your word of God, the Word of God tells me that I'm healed. I don't care right now what my body is telling me. I don't care what the doctor is telling me. I believe what the Word of God has said for me. I believe I'm healed. That's speaking out of your spirit. But you got Christians all the time out there complaining to God, Oh God! Having a test. Some of you folks getting done school now, going back to school in the fall. Test comes up. Oh God! I need help on this test! What are we trying to do? Speaking out of our flesh. What should we be doing? Father God, I thank you. I've applied myself to learning this course. I've applied myself to studying it. I thank you that I have the mind of Christ. And my mind is able to absorb all this material that I need to absorb. And I thank you when it comes time to test time, I can put out what I have put in. And I go in there confidently. That's speaking out of your spirit. Stop praying out of your flesh. Griping and complaining and moaning and groaning and trying to convince God to come through for you. You don't need to. Healing is something that's laid to your account. You don't need to beg God for it. It's already there. Wisdom is something He's already said. If you need it, I'll give it to you. Understanding is something He'll give to you. You need understanding in school, God will give it to you. you got a course that's giving you a hard time, stop being in fear of the thing. Just sit there and say, Father God, I thank you that though my mind has a hard time with it, I have the mind of Christ. And Christ's mind is able to understand this stuff. Thank God for it. But change the way that you speak. Let your spirit retrain your mouth. How you speak about things. What you do. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you that we can be retrained. We can be taught how to speak according to our spirit. According to our beliefs. The things that we have learned from your word. We can speak according to that. We're not speaking out of our feelings. Oh, I feel this way. Oh, I feel hurt. Oh, so-and-so didn't forgive me. Oh, so-and-so did me wrong. I'm not speaking out of those things. I'm speaking out of Your Word. Father, Your Word said, walk in forgiveness. Your Word said to walk in love. I'm going to walk in love here. I'm going to walk in forgiveness. I'm going to walk in healing. I'm going to walk in wisdom and understanding. I'm not speaking out of the flesh. Speaking out of the Spirit. Help us, Father, every time we're out here this week and we begin to have a temper tantrum, speaking out of the flesh, Father, we sit back and we say, oh, no, no. I need to let my spirit step in here. Teach me how to speak on this thing. Not speak the way I did before. Not speak the old way. But speak the new way. Father, you tell me how I should speak in here. And until I hear from your spirit, I will not speak. I will be slow to speak. Because I want to say those things that are based on the beliefs I have in the Word of God. Father, help us to take those beliefs that we have and turn them into action. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.